Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. You're listening to Connecting the Dots with Matt Arendt on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. TNT. Welcome to this week's episode of Connecting the Dots. I'm Matt Arrett. I'll be your host. And joining me as our first guest is Dr. Jessica Rose, immunologist, molecular biologist, and computational biologist. Am I missing anything, Jessica? Um, well, I suppose. <laughs> I, I it's a, a long list. Of... It's a long, it's a long bio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have I have some degrees. Um, yay! This is your your inaugural episode. How honored I am! Well, hey, hey, thank you for coming on. I've I've had a chance to flex my muscle a little bit and and get into the groove over the past few weeks. But this is I'm still a newbie. I'm still a newbie at TNT, so I'm learning. I'm learning the ropes. So I'm I'm glad that you came on. Jessica is somebody I've been talking to and following for uh, for quite some time. And um, Jessica, I I've got to say you've really outdone yourself in in working through your substack through your many presentations that you give in conferences all around the world i know you recently came back from from romania uh some weeks back where uh, you you spoke with uh, our mutual friend dr denny Roncour at a at a very important event and you've really used your your expertise and the the years spent developing all of these degrees and reading scientific literature publishing scientific literature and helping people to become literate in a language which is, I, I think, in some ways designed to be incomprehensible for your average person. And just following you over the course of the past uh, really year and a half or so has really helped me to uh, navigate better than I could before uh, through this realm of of uh, peer-reviewed studies and what have you that, yep, you deserve that pat on the back. And... Um, <laughs> Let me ask you this. Uh, let me start with this. Uh, first up, um, the CDC has stated and restated and restated again that um, modified mRNA pro uh, products do not affect or threaten our DNA. And I know recently you have come out uh, discussing the problems of this oversimplistic statement um, in, a, in a number of your posts. Is this true? Is 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 Should we believe the CDC or... What what uh, what cracks have you found in that logic? Oh boy, where do I start? Um, well, I'll, I'll I'll go from the quick answer, which is I don't I don't think there is trust in the CDC as a general rule right now. I mean, I don't know what other people believe as to the. The residual DNA story, but um, I'll tell you what the truth is. So I I don't know how much you know about this, but um, it was back in, please forgive me if I get the month wrong, I think it was April of this year, and probably earlier, um, there were some suspicions that Kevin McKernan, who's a genomics expert, who's who's got, you know, he's got a resume longer than mine, um, he needed a positive control for an experiment he was doing in his lab that uh, that had RNA in it. So he reached for these vials that he just happened to have in his in his freezer or fridge that had um, that that were these uh, Pfizer products because you know they're supposed to be mRNA. So in in his work, um, 
I wasn't there. I didn't do the experiments, but apparently what he found was were constituents that aren't supposed to be there. And these were, you know, to, to make a long story short, they were DNA, DNA fragments that aren't supposed to be there. Um, and, and even plasmids. So the reason they're there is because of improper purification of the modified mRNA product at the end of the synthesis process. So he absolutely did find this. It absolutely has been reproduced in many labs in at least four, perhaps five, that have tested vials, have found DNA. And in two, two uh, cases, they've been it's been sequenced. And so it's uh it's quite a quite surprising that anybody with any kind of expertise or any letters after their names or anyone claiming to be an authority would would make a statement that residual DNA that's not supposed to be in a product that was injected into billions of people is not a an issue because the reason why we test for residual DNA when we use this kind of synthesis process and we filter it out with precision and we we really, really, really want to avoid residual amounts that are above a certain threshold is because of the potential harms associated. Everybody knows that in this industry, in this work, everybody. If DNA was found and it has been found, there are problems. You cannot say it's it's absolutely a ridiculous statement to say it's not a problem. And you know that, that I, I think you know that Health Canada has actually come out and admitted that after looking into the sequence following two years of having it, they actually found one of these DNA fragments and they confirmed what Kevin found originally. This this simian virus 40 promoter is actually there. And uh, yeah, they they just said, yeah, no problem. Doesn't save, doesn't change the risk profile at all. And it's like, how can you make a statement like that with no, you have no reason to say that. You have no science behind you. If you wanna you know, talk about the science, mm -hmm. you have no uh, paperwork, you have nothing, nothing to support that statement. What we need to do, is double down on testing as many vials as we can and actually start testing people for integration events because that's the concern. And it is a concern. And until right. you prove otherwise, you cannot make the statement that there's no problem here. Like, look away. Right. Yeah. And on that note, I mean, this is something you've also written about. There has has there not been an, a, a small study that was done um, that you that you write about regarding the integration of codon optimized modified SARS-CoV-2 uh, spike mRNA and human DNA. And, and somebody looked at something like 81 test subjects and uh, discovered that there is very startling um uh, samples that are that are emerging uh, oh, regarding yeah. long COVID and and some of the um, yeah I maybe you could say something about that yeah so there there are th there's a paper that's come out that was doing the rounds and it got a lot of attention that that mm -hmm. it, it's one of these things where it hinted at something but became a headline and morphed into like the story of the day if you know what I mean and it's it's. 
in my in my opinion, and I really I I combed over this. I don't think there's anything like I wouldn't feel comfortable standing on that particular paper um, and making the claim that integration has occurred. Um, it's it's I wouldn't call it a nothing burger, but it's it's the right way to go. That's why this paper is important. It's like, yes, we they were, they were asking the right questions. They were looking at the exactly. right things, but maybe it wasn't done in the, the optimal manner as should have been. Yeah, it's it's kind of um it's kind of the it's the first time I'm talking about this. It's it's weird because what I do now, pretty much with all of my time, is read journals like this. Uh, read scientific journals and regurgitate them so that people can understand them. And this paper in particular, although I, I think that it's um, it's very important and it's exactly where we need to go uh, scientifically, we need to start testing people for integration events. I think that if I was going to guess, I'd say it got to print way too fast. That's what it looks like to me because there's a couple of I'll just say proofreading errors. And and for a paper that's been thoroughly peer-reviewed, I mean it happens. I'm not gonna say it doesn't happen, but it it's it's not that common. Uh I mean, it wouldn't get by me. <laughs> and that's exactly how I'm treating it. I, I wrote a Substack article as if I was reviewing it, and these are my my comments type thing. Uh mm -hmm. constructive criticism. Where can this uh, how can this be modified? How can the experiments be improved? This is what we do in peer review. It's like, you know, the worst thing you can ever hear as an experimentalist in a lab after you've submitted something for peer review is for a reviewer to say, no, you have to go back and repeat that experiment again using this mutation. And you're like, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you no, and, and as it. you point out. As you point out in the in the paper, if people are not more rigorous, then we they could easily the people who are actually asking questions could be just labeled uh, simple minded anti-vaxxers, obviously not responsible with their material. And so you could ignore their entire argument. So when you're dealing yeah. with um, those who have the resources and power to project massive sophistry and lies, we have to be that much more careful, careful with the material, because all of the questions were the right questions we should be looking for evidence of this type of reverse trans uh, integration, right? Or not reverse integration, but uh, integration of integration these. Uh, no, you're 100% you're yeah. right. And it's um, it's good in a way. I, I always have a positive spin on everything or an optimistic spin because it's it's making me really hardcore in my mm. um, my nagging. Be and, I, and I like it. I mean, I, I wish people, I hope that people are that hard on me. I mean... I, I guess they're harder than than they need to be on my submitted journals because they never get out of review. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I think there are other reasons for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, nonetheless, I, I think that uh, my personal opinion is that once we start testing for integration events in people, we're probably going to find them. And I... I don't know. Nobody knows. That's the horror show that is this. And it's not just from this point of view. It's from all the points of views of like finding out the truth of how these things are impacting human physiology in some people. It's like we have no way. There's no predictability here. There's no way to know 
who got what, how bad it's going to be, uh, if they had integration events, if it's going to mess them up. I mean, you can, um, if, if you want to talk about cancer, you know, apparently you can get cancer if you smoke cigarettes. You can get cancer if you're exposed to too many mutagens, you know, in, in your life. Um, these things might also give you, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, there are so many variables that we're looking at here. But the thing that rots me about this and the thing that really rots me about uh, people making statements like there's no problem here is that we don't know that there's no problem here. And it's because beautiful precision experiments that we have every capability to do. We have really smart people asking really good questions, but it's not being done. Instead, what we're getting is all this time, enormous amounts of money and energy being spent on obscuring, you know, the reality creating illusions of reality so that people keep they, they keep themselves sedated i mean i, I don't know how yeah. else to put it it's, um it's pretty no, annoying it's very... as become even more interested in biology i mean i deserve another phd after the last four years and i'm not joking i i rewrote my uh my little bio today for an affidavit that i'm writing and i'm like Holy crap, I've been doing this for four years. That's a PhD. Right. And I've actually read more scientific papers in the last four years than I think I did in my whole career, like my whole 30-year academia run. I, seriously, it's like... I believe you. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> want an honorary doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> None of those George Bush variants that they just give away. No, no, you de you definitely deserved it. And I mean, I I'd like to actually ask you a few questions when we come back from a commercial commercial break uh, in a couple of minutes, but maybe be leading into the break, because I want to ask you some questions about your own personal story, how you came uh, to the position that you found yourself in kind of, I would imagine, unexpectedly in the last few years, uh, taking on these <laughs> responsibilities. But before we do that, let's maybe um, have a follow up question to what you were just saying. What and, and it, it is concerning beyond belief that a whole like industry has been built up around uh defending the the uh assertions that have been almost turned into gospel over the past four years rather than actually doing real science there's a whole there's a whole in medical industrial complex built up around just justifying increasingly self-contradictory statements that evidence is constantly demonstrating are false but yet spin doctors and spin doctors are being paid a lot of money it seems to misuse their uh, their phds in order to publish things that put people back to sleep which is i mean just mind-boggling as far as like thinking about a scientific dark age that we might be in um that this is even per permitted uh but if we were if we had competent governments or competent administration uh actually looking at reality what sort of concerns would be uh, on the top of the focus for the types of uh, negative health events that would possibly emerge if we are messing with our own DNA? What's sort of the, what are the big top three or four major concerns that would emerge that we should be looking out for um, and concern that we're screwing up as far as <laughs> the human species is concerned? Well, cancer in a word, um, mm. that's the quick answer because you're, you're talking about uh, 
I mean, what one of the people who who found hordes of DNA found um, a lot of small fragments, like half of the fragments that he found in this shotgun blast of DNA that that came with this lipid nanoparticle uh, were less than 100 base pairs. That's that's really small. And it makes sense to me. And I've heard that this allows for easier integration and it is published that really, really short fragments can can make their way into the genome. Um, so if, if you have uh, the integration of a small DNA fragment inside a an important gene, it's going to mess up that gene. I, I, I'm not a geneticist and I'm not a genomics expert, but I can I can imagine how the quantity of the the DNA that's not supposed to be there mm -hmm. could potentially mess up the like genomic stability and the genes therein um, from a conceptual point of view. Now, again, the 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 guesswork as to how that's going to manifest, like the worst thing you can imagine, I suppose, like I said, is cancer. Like if you have yeah. um, interference of the guardian of the genome, which is the p53 gene, um, you you you'll you'll likely have big problems with cancer. There's yeah. also genes and just just quick, I'm just realizing um, there have been massive spikes as as people do know across the UK. There's been spikes in 15 to 44 year olds cancer spikes across the world. We see this all over the place. But um, let's pick this up again after a short commercial break, and we're going to keep on scratching away at some of these these things, and then we're going to look at a little bit of Jessica's story. TNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. Approximately 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. It's a tough spot. If your country is being invaded, uh, that's one thing, and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but you know, if the war, if it's a globalist war, I, I wouldn't want to participate <laughs> in these banker globalist wars and. Most of them just uh, are. Hervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. Plug in. Website. TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. All right. We are back. We are back. 
with Connecting the Dots. And I'm here with uh, Dr. Jessica Rose, who is just going through some of the um, the implications of what um, the what could be happening or what people what governments and what health uh, practitioners should be really looking for as a concern over the mRNA experimentation that has been done to billions of people across the globe or the over the past few years they're obviously pushing hard for more updates more more mRNA jabs um this hasn't really gone away although some of the fear porn has obviously died down um this is still in this this the, what was put into motion in 2020 in the earliest part of that year is still in play um and Jessica was just going through some of the concerns regarding the increase of uh arrays of cancers that uh, might be connected I mean there are strange anomalies going on um did you want what 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 more uh did should we also be thinking about as far as the types of different cancers that are emerging um are there any other concerns as well that uh that should be held in mind as we try to remedy some of the the errors let's just say whether criminal mm. or, or incompetent uh, that have been put into motion. Uh, yeah, what what other concerns should should people have in mind as far as uh, well, health risks? Yeah, before I, I mention that, um, mm. uh, it's really important that everybody understand that we need to place a moratorium on this platform, this mRNA lipid nanoparticle platform, because th th they're trying to, I think this was a segue to normalize this platform such that they're going to be using this for every single thing that they make in the future. And they're, they're not going to be any testing behind it. That's, mm. that's already been established. So we, we, we really, really, really have to bring this information to the public because the first thing that needs to happen before anything is moratorium, shut this down. Second thing, collect all the vials make it illegal for them to be destroyed because that's evidence. Those vials need to be sequenced. We need to confirm or deny the presence of residual DNA, and we need to measure how much is in there if they exceeded EMA limits. Third thing we need to do, getting back to the people, which is the most important thing, is to look for integration events in people, um, both in germline cells and, and other cells. And my cat's joining me. Um, and uh, I mean, it's it's not just about cancer. I mean, we we like I kind of alluded to, I mean, everything gives us cancer now. Absolutely frickin everything. Um, there there are possibilities for. I mean, I, I don't want to go to the dark side here, but the the, the fact remains after four bloody years we still don't know what that sequence is is really encoding the sequence that gets into you we don't know what actually got injected into people based right. on the original template based on the percent rna integrity based on another new bombshell finding published in nature about frame shifting and just to give you a summary of what that means, and this is in nature, this is not refutable, this is peer-reviewed in the most, you know, it's the Godspeak of public public publications. Um, there are proteins being produced that we're referring to as off-target proteins 
that can cause a plethora of problems physiologically. The one that I think of the most probably being the worst is our autoimmune conditions. And once again, one of the things that a lot of people are reporting to VAERS, which is this pharmacovigilance tool, um, are an, a, a plethora of different autoimmune conditions. I know so many people I've heard from who had their, whatever it was that they had, their endometriosis, their multiple sclerosis, or whatever it was that they had as an autoimmune condition under control. And they got the shots and it fired up like crazy. Mm. And so, I mean, it's so bloody frustrating because just to circle back to VAERS and the people, I mean, that's what this thing is for. That's what this database is for. It's it's to detect signals in data, which are people's reports of adverse events in very specific contexts. And then you, you, you assess that signal. You make a determination as to whether or not it is very likely that that emergent signal in the context of that product is caused by the product. We've always done this, always. And it's not being done for these yeah. products. And it's obvious to anyone who's looking at this data why. It's because there. I have zero doubt in my mind that most of these things are caused by these products, zero. The Bradford Hill criteria, there are 10 points that you have to satisfy in order to provide strong evidence of causation and biological data, and all 10 are satisfied. And it just keeps getting more, like one of them is plausibility. How plausible is it that these things are causing these problems? We just literally, like I described, have a paper come out in Nature, not, not a few weeks ago, maybe it was two weeks ago, that proves definitively with beautiful experiments, it's a really, really, really good paper, um, what me and a few colleagues have been asking ex exactly this question about for years. We anticipated this potential problem based on the sparse amounts of data that we've been allowed to see. It, it tells you something. I mean, if, if we've put these puzzle pieces together, I mean, I'm not a genius. It's, you know, maybe my colleagues are, but we, we all came to these this potential or this conclusion that it's it's possible mm -hmm. that this is going to occur because of the you know the substitutions of these N1 methyl pseudouridines. One of my colleagues, Kevin McKernan, the guy I mentioned who discovered the DNA, actually has a paper on the preprint server with a couple of other authors suggesting exactly this. And he's I, I like him very much because he's a question asker. He's not a finger pointer. He's not a hand waver. He's a question asker. He'll find something in his lab that's like, hmm, that's weird. And he'll ask a, like a, a question that he, he doesn't know the answer to in basic science or genomics or whatever. And he, he seeks out the answer. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, these guys in nature did the same thing. They sought out the answer to the question, are off-target proteins being produced? by frame shifting events? And the answer was definitively yes, in the context of the specific N1-methyl uh, pseudouridine substitution, completely predictable <laughs> mm. happening. Mm. 
But the unpredictable part is the annoying part. We don't know what the production of these aberrant proteins, potentially aberrant proteins, is going to be. But once again, we can guess that it's possible that autoimmunity might become a problem. So what and, that means is you, that- Is the this the same paper where you, you cited that there's been something like a 803% increase yep. over the 2018 to 2020 interval uh, when compared to the 2021 to 2022 or 2023 interval? There, that That's a huge increase in autoimmune issues and something even similar, right, as, as far as multiple sclerosis uh, also. This is the same paper yeah. as as- yeah. Okay. Well, this is pulled from VAERS data, and um, I'm I'm writing up uh, an affidavit right now, and I, I'm just going to double check the figure because I can tell you because I think I put this in here. Um, just a second. Yeah, this is um, VAERS data comparing influenza shots per million doses from 2018 to 2020 and the COVID-19 products from 2021 to 2023 per million doses again. And I pulled out the, from from VAERS in, in, a, um, in a, uh, um, a database where only flu uh, adverse event reports are there and also for the COVID. So I made two, two separate data sets. I pulled out flu and COVID-19 reports, made two separate things. Then I pulled out autoimmune disorder, just the most basic, um, the most basic medra code I could find. Like uh, I didn't pull out multiple sclerosis, no, no um, first name autoimmune conditions, just autoimmune disorder. So this is, mm. again, this is a really good point. I, I'm always underestimating shit. So it's like there's this huge discrepancy between the induction. Let's just say the association of reports of autoimmune disorder in the context of the flu vaccines and these COVID products. There's something, I mean, I know what it is that's different about them, but there's something very different. This isn't absolute counts. Everybody needs to understand that this is per million doses. This is balanced, but it's not balanced. Something about these specific products and it's something to do with the, the lipid nanoparticles or the modified mRNA or the, all the problems that we're finding associated with these products because they were rushed into the people too fast, be it the DNA contamination or the subbing out of the pseudo-use or in of the pseudo-use. Um, there's something very, very different about these. And it's it seems to be, if I was going to summarize the problem, it seems to rush people to the end of something that they already have. For example, if you're if you're infirm or if you're old, you know, maybe you're about to die anyway, they pushed you over the edge. That's why we saw a lot of deaths, like at the beginning. Lots mm -hmm. of older people being injected first, lots of death reports, um, kind of tapered off, but not completely. Cancers, if someone was um um in remission seems like from all the oncologists I talked to, it's popping out of remission and new cancers, new rare cancers are also a problem, which kind of makes me wonder, you know, if that's linked to one of these um, problems I just talked about. Uh, autoimmune conditions, again, latent viral uh, viruses, you know, herpes viruses coming like out of hiding. 
it's like um I've been calling it an immune dysfunction because clearly that's the note, but like I have to wonder because we still haven't gotten this disclosed sequence, the actual sequence. It's like what the hell is actually encoded there? Um are we actually facing fertility issues, for example? This is a huge question. This is the biggest question because if if it turns out that these things are messing up human fertility, you know what I mean? It's like there, there are colleagues of mine who are absolutely sure that this is messing up human fertility. I know people who have had huge problems with like menstruation who are sure has messed them up that way who i don't know if it's long lasting this is the right. other question the dna has there been an integration events in the germline that's gonna you know what i mean it's like yeah 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 you have these questions like looming over our head still and it's like four freaking years and i as much as we think we know we still if you if you think about it like objectively we know shit about what was injected into billions of people. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I, I think it's it's really important to take take a moment and really uh, take a step back and think about what might be we what what might we be doing and what might we have already done uh, such that we need to stop, as you just pointed out, and have a moratorium on this entire course of action because now they're already discussing CRISPR technology being approved yeah. and applied now for human gene therapies now that's another step Matthew, I, yeah. I don't mean to interrupt you i'm sorry to be rude no but no go I, ahead I have to throw this in here before i forget it really really makes me wonder if they haven't done it already i i'm noticing this trend where when you start to hear stuff being allowed to be heard in in like the legacy realm it's long gone already. Like, like I, I don't know if you saw this, um, this brilliant, I, I think she was, uh, there's this thing on Twitter about this CIA agent who was like the, the head of disguises for uh, most of her career. And her job was to create rubber masks and disguises so that she could, you know, um, help agents infiltrate. And mm -hmm. it's absolutely um, frightening. <laughs> it's cool. They worked with Hollywood on this. And uh, in 1993, I think it was 1993, it was like early 90s, maybe mid 90s. They had a rubber mask technology that was absolutely uh, indistinguishable from an actual face. And and she she went to the interview or or some talking you know thing private talking thing with some big government people in one of these masks in order to discuss with them why they should invest in this you know whatever and then she takes off her mask during the, the interview and they're like <laughs> and they're and that was back in like mid 90s so what yeah. she says and she leaves this on a very scary note whatever you're seeing like then they were already long beyond that because they're letting you see it now. So just imagine, imagine where we are now with disguises, for example. And we don't even have to get into AIs. I mean, like actual human disguises, like 
Yeah. Woo, sorry, that was a bit of a rant, but no, 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 that's good. It's good to keep it nonlinear and to also just get people to think about it. it's not specifically just what we're talking about that is being discussed. There are implications for all of the the lines and the threads we're pulling on that are maybe not expected. But when you're shown things sometimes in the media, because the psyops are only going to increase as the systemic breakdown also increases, there's going to be a lot of effort to drive people kind of nuts. Um, Because that's what happens when people get scared, their superstition level spikes like crazy. And those who are manipulating the show, they know how to play that. So when we're going to be shown all sorts of things, crazy things about things appearing in the sky, things that people see, and we're going to hear all sorts of testimonies that are going to sound crazy as hell because they kind of are and because somebody's messing with us. So it's really good just to keep all of this in mind and be aware how how we have historically been played and how it's happening again. So what you just said, very important. We're going to go for a commercial break and we'll be right back on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Two new internationally peer-reviewed studies published in major scientific journals have documented misleading northern hemisphere temperature data and attribution analysis indicating inadequate considerations of the urban heat island, its influence on climate records and dominant influences of the sun, and producing warming and cooling phases. Published in August in the journal Climate, the first of these studies concludes that the global warming influences on people could be mostly an urban problem associated with a well-known urban heat island phenomenon by where structures, including paved services and concrete buildings, absorb heat during the day and release it at night but of course much more slowly. Although urban areas account for less than 4% of the global land surface, they contain many of the weather stations where temperatures are collected, which substantially skew the bigger picture. Whereas the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change estimates that UHI accounts for less than 10% of the global warming, The new study suggests that urban warming might account for up to 40% of the recorded change since 1850. Now you combine that with some of the other things that the IPCC conveniently seems to ignore, like underwater heating that's going on, and what do you get? You get a good reason to be very, very skeptical on what you're being told about the climate. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost, the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. You're listening to Connecting the Dots with Matt Arendt on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. TNT. All right, we're back with the third segment of Connecting the Dots on TNT Radio. I'm here with Dr. Jessica Rose, where we have been exploring a lot of the disturbing uh, consequences of living under a death cult that has taken over control of governments and has been manipulating science and what we've been told is responsible best practice science that we should be adapting our minds towards and our behavior in conformity to what? And part of what we were just joking upon during the break period was that, you know, a lot of what's being discussed um, 
from a theoretical basis, from things like the World Economic Forum, are not intrinsically horrific if you didn't have this death cult animating the world. The idea of CRISPR technology to maybe overcome historic diseases that have been um, hereditary in nature, you know, destroy or really holding people back from their potential. It would be great to know that there's like actual solutions to a variety of these things or paraplegics being able to walk again by infusing some sort of a neuro chip or what have you that allows us to use, have our brain connect to our bodies once more. God bless. I mean, wonderful. However, however, uh, these are this, the types of positive examples that are sold to us. But the reality, when you look at the logic of those animating and shaping the policy is something very different. Um, do you think that there is any way that these that things like CRISPR could be actually used? Because as we were saying, there is a discussion by the FDA now to advance uh, approvals for using CRISPR for humans uh, for different types of therapy. I'm not too sure what exactly, but do you think that this could be feasibly used in a responsible manner? Or is this intrinsically going to lead to the same sort of a brave new world test to baby eugenics structure that uh, <laughs> that's being pushed on today? Or do you think that there's there's a way to use this well? Theoretically, there's a way to use it well, but um, if it, it could only materialize, in my opinion, if the humans don't destroy themselves and it won't be anytime soon. We'll have to go through some kind of evolution that will have to involve some kind of spiritual evolution. Like we're going to have to get in touch with who we actually are before anything like that could ever be used in a benevolent way. Mm. Um, but I I don't think I'm I'm a hundred percent against it. I'm a hundred. I've I've always had a weird feeling about messing with genes um, from from an outside point of view. I think that um, I, it's going to sound a little bit cold, but genetic defects are one of nature's mechanisms of keeping populations from exploding. And it sounds really cold, but I'm saying it from a mathematical modeling point of view, because this is what I used to look at. Like, the, the lynxes and the foxes, you know, interacting. It's like, nature is cruel. <laughs> um, it has in, inherent mechanisms built in through evolution that keep populations at bay. So um, in terms of swapping out a defective gene um, for, for a non-defective gene, like I said, the concept is beautiful, but I don't think we should be doing that. I think that um, it's just, there's a do not touch sign on, on that part of us. Well, and I think what I think you, sorry, yeah, no, finish your thought. I'm sorry, I didn't, I shouldn't cut you off there. It's such an important idea. Oh, it's okay. Um, I uh, oh gosh, now I'm gonna forget anyway. We'll tell you what here. You, it'll come back like at two a.m. in the morning. But I I think that what you said though at the very uh, uh, you, the way you framed your response I think is really important because it would the type of spiritual 
evolution needed to become responsible enough to wield that type of power um, is not impossible, but it's a long way off from the level of mediocrity and degenerate and corruption that we have submitted ourselves to at this moment in history. It's quite a few steps away. Um, and maybe, maybe for uh, Klaus Schwab's great, great, great grandchildren who might have a chance to, uh, to have a better loving culture than he did when he was a kid growing up in a weird Byzantine Nazi, you know, un unreconstructed Nazi structure that was the cold war under Henry Kissinger's leadership and mentorship. Maybe down what the line, think, right? <laughs> what I yeah, think they're doing, the, the the evil dorkwads, is they're like we're the testing ground. And again, I know how that sounds, but I'm just trying to assess everything that I've learned and put it together in a logical way. Um, there are still people that challenge the fact that the COVID-19 shots were experimental. That's ludicrous, you cannot say that. By definition, they were experimental. Um, they hadn't been properly trialed in humans. The products that actually went into the people, the modified mRNA products were not even the ones that were in the clinical trials. It was a different product. So it's, it's ludicrous to say they're not experimental. And I think it's in the best interest of the, um, the, the overlords to make sure that the stuff that they eventually want to use to improve their own weird ass lives or to improve, you know, the eugenics of it all um, is not going to harm them. So that they're going to, I'm sorry about how this sounds, but I think we're literally being used as their guinea pigs because I cannot fathom why or how. Um, Things are so devolved right now. I mean, you alluded to it. Um, and I was going to ask you your, your personal opinion on where you think we would be as a species and how beautiful our, our world would be, our societies could be with our, with let's just say, our enlightenment intact or with our spirituality like tapped into or creativeness tapped into i mean i personally i'll answer my own question and then you know i'll ask you again like i i imagine i envision i actually envision a beautiful um world where everyone has abundance and it's not just like it's not this fake stupid commercialized type of abundance. It's like actual, I have enough. And so nobody's, nobody feels like they need to steal. Nobody feels hungry. Nobody feels deprived of love or, or attention. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a weird utopia, but I, I just don't believe if I ever did that there isn't more than enough to go around and that we're just, we've been hijacked. I mean, maybe we've let ourselves be hijacked, but it's like the version of where we could be in this part, you know, in this point in our evolution and where we are is so disappointing to me. I'm not even sure I know what that means, but that's how I feel. Yeah, well said. No, I, I absolutely. I'm, I, I think that that's part of uh, what makes you sort of stand apart? Um, maybe you could speak to this a little bit, but I'm thinking what what 
why is it that you have taken and and I mean there's there's an array of exceptional people who have been through the academic system have uh, acquired great accomplishments in the system but when it came down to their morality their conscience and looking upon truth as it was instead of what some expert modelers said it sh we should assume it is um people like yourself were were not going to make that adaption and so you you chose to go with conscience with reason um you're not alone like you said there's there's a, a handful a, a very strong wonderful handful of people around the world who have taken a stand taken a lot of courage a lot of risks to careers um on a variety of levels but what is it that sets you apart one thing is based i'm thinking because it's a question I, I don't fully have the answer to but one part of the answer i think might touch on the fact that as you just said you have a, an idea of what a healthy society would look like 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 a doctor should have an idea of what health actually is before they can diagnose disease because that's the absence of health so same thing for yes. a society what does a healthy society look like and a lot of people i think they lack that faith and that concept in some way of of a template of what does a just healthy integrated society and culture look like such that we can then better place and identify uh, what is the nature of the disease, psycho-spiritual, cultural disease, yeah. which is plaguing us? And you seem to have a, a, that contrast, whereas a lot of people, I think they lack it and they just think what is now is all that can be. And thus, best best I got is to look out for number one, try to try to keep my job, keep moving up the ladder and, and make more make more money. But they don't have that idea that there's something healthy that they're that they're actually adapting to something sick they don't be, because they don't have an idea of, of something healthy they don't realize that they're adapting to something sick which is going to obviously make them worse people too if they thought about it i don't know if that's does that if they thought about it yeah that that boggles my mind every day it's something i think about incessantly it's something i cry about it's something i scream about i the frustration i have with my fellow people <laughs> um i don't know what like why do people not like understand in their cores that they matter so much that's the thing that bugs the hell out of me it's like it's like you just said they're they're feeding into the sickness because you know it is what it is it's like no it's only what you make it it's it's not how I feel. It's how it is. It's like, and and this isn't about you know inspiring you know positive thoughts. Although you know I shouldn't say it like that because that does matter. It's it's literally about just understanding that. I mean, every single thing. I I actually believe that every single thing, every single person does matters, in in an actual physical real way. Um, I don't know if that's quantum something, something, because I don't know, I don't understand that yet, but it's, it's this, um, abandonment of responsibility that really kills me. Responsibility for self, for community, for, for betterment, mm -hmm. for, it's like where the question is like, where does the apathy come from? Is it a PSYOP that's very successful? 
is it um is it really the television programming is is it the cell phones is is it everything is it is is it physiological it has our brain chemistry shifted from all the endocrine disruptors in the environment is it everything i mean your question is so valid it's like why why are there some people who just seem to be kind of um bullshit resistant i i i don't know it's like i um I can see a world, a, a, a beautiful, balanced world as clear as day. Mm. I I don't know if that's what is going to be. I'd like to think that. I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. And I think it's going to be in the wake of a whole lot of disaster. Um, hopefully we won't destroy our planet in the meantime. In a real way, not in the globalist idea of destroying the planet way. Um, I don't know, like, uh, I, 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 I really care about people. I really care about life. I, I really cherish life, not just my life, but like life, I, the planet, like the whole concept, because I know that it's, it's transient as it is. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I don't understand why more people I don't know, feel that maybe? Do they not feel it? I don't even know. I'm I'm only me. I can't really say what another person feels, but it just seems like in people's behavior, they really, they, there's this really thick veil of memory loss when it comes to how important they are. I don't know. Yeah. Well, would you say that the this is the sense of the sacred, that you have a sense of that you have a strong sense of sacredness, oh, which yeah. might be not uh, noticed by a lot of people, or people lack that sense. I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, I see that in personal relationships. <laughs> Uh, people I adore don't have a good sense of the sacred. Um, yeah, that, that's it's it's a it's a good thing to. I would say that about myself. I'm really attached to the things that I uh, recognize as being sacred, like this body. This is pretty sacred to me. Um, the I think everything is sacred. I <laughs> I'm a bit of no, like no. a flaky granola on that <laughs> well you're definitely not a materialist i mean i, I think that's the thing I, there there's this this hyper materialism which has really contaminated our our world over the past generations which denies the existence of anything immaterial and what is it can you i mean can we cut the sacred up into pieces and share like give me give me half your sacred you know like it, it doesn't it, that works for a cup or, or for anything material but you can't it doesn't that a logic doesn't apply for justice the soul god the divine uh dignity like you oh. can't cut up dignity love like you can't do that it's a different it's a, there, it's a it like, exists yeah find love in a book find love on a map find love in the heart like it's yeah. so funny like it's 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 what we are like i think um mm. it's it's like one of the highest things to aim for uh as a human being or as a living being but like what the hell is it? No, nobody even, I mean, I, I think about this stuff when I look into the heart, like from a physiological point of view and the brain, it's like, 
what the hell is going on there? But like, I, I think just to tie it back to the, um, the, the evil predators that are trying to uh, surf everyone, um, I think that they're trying to not just uh, divide and isolate us as a tactic. I think they're trying right. to demolish love. I think so too. Just, this has been Jessica Rose. This is a very powerful way to end it. This has been uh, TNT Radio's Connected the Dots. Thank you, Jessica.